Every morning quarterback live. It's 9.15 on the East Coast here uh, on, a, on a Tuesday. Every morning quarterback actually in the morning today. I like that. Uh, and we got a very special guest with us today. We are continuing our NFC and AFC East preview this week. And we have today a best-selling author. We're going to get into his uh, book a little bit later. An Emmy award-winning producer at ESPN and the host of the Sports, Sports Spectrum podcast, Jason Romano. Welcome to the show, Jason. Yeah, it's good to be here, Anthony. What's going on, buddy? Nothing much, man. We were just I, we were just talking about how it's getting we're getting ready for the start of this football season. We also don't want summer to fly by, but man, the <laughs> the, the preseason is right here. It's knocking on the door. Camps are open. It's and, just uh, crazy how quickly it it comes too. And I, I say we say it every year. You know, I worked when I was at ESPN. We would say the same thing when July and August would come. All right, it's time to turn the page, and it's football season. And I'm just not ready yet. I'm ready to discuss it with you, but I'm not yeah. ready for games yet. I'm trying to get through, you know, a different season of life as a dad. I'm trying to get through the summer and enjoy time with my family and vacation. Uh, but football is going to be here before we know it. And I will say this. There is nothing better than the fall, September, October, my two favorite sports months and football beginning and every team having this hope and then going into the man cave on a Sunday and just spending six hours, seven hours watching games. I'm excited for that. I don't want it to come too quick, but I am excited for it. Absolutely. And uh, normally my my viewing takes place as my sports teams kind of dwindle out. And so the New York the New York Jets are normally done by the time that the Boston Celtics start. And the Celtics are you know normally done by the time that the Mets start. And then the Mets are done by the time that the Jets start again. So it's funny this year the Mets are in it. So I'm also Yeah, you can I root for two for two of the same teams as a Celtics fan and as a Mets fan. So yeah. um had a great year with the Celtics, exceeded expectations. Uh, let's see what the Mets can do. I think they're going to make one more deal before the deadline. Let's see I if DeGrom so. can come back and, yeah. you know, hold off the Braves is really what I'm looking at. And I don't know. They got the Yankees for two games now, you know, today and tomorrow. So let's see if they can split at least and measure up with the mighty Bronx Bombers. But we're not here to talk baseball, Anthony, right? Oh, no, we're here to talk. We're here to talk the Dallas Cowboys. It's one of oh, your – it's, it's, it's one of your passions. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I mean, you stuck you stuck with this this team through the ups and the downs, similar to my New York Jets. Mm-hmm. And I gotta ask you, I mean, last year that was probably the the best Cowboys team I've seen in a very long time, and yet it still ended in a very similar way. They ran into just a buzzsaw of a team that got hot at the right time. Uh, how do you feel about this year's Cowboys squad? And are you feeling pretty optimistic about a, another potential run? If you talk to anybody who knows me as a Cowboys fan particularly my two brothers, uh, they'll tell you that I am more of the pessimistic side of a Dallas Cowboys fan. And it's weird because I didn't used to be that way in the 90s. And maybe it was because I was so spoiled and I saw, you know, three Super Bowl championships and like seven straight NFC East championships, whatever it was, I saw winning all the time. And so I was more optimistic and actually expecting them to win every single game from 1991 to 1996. Um, And then, you know, the downfall happened and Aikman and Irvin and Emmett, you know, eventually, you know, leave the team. And those were some really down years. And Parcells comes back. And now I'm, I'm back to being a fan. But the Tony Romo years, I think, made me the pessimistic fan. And I, I think Romo was the most talented, hear me out, the most talented quarterback I ever saw in the Cowboys. Not the best. 
but the most talented. He could do things that none of the other quarterbacks before him, in my opinion, could do. Yeah. And they were probably four and twelve without him, but they were eight and eight, nine and seven with him and lost a lot of games that they probably should have won that were just heartbreakers. So I've turned into more of a pessimistic fan. I will say this last year, I didn't I didn't see the 12 and 5 season coming. I didn't see 12 wins until they started playing. And I saw sort of the collection of talent come together. And a lot has to do, Anthony, not just with with talent, but you got to get some breaks mm. and you have to have the right schedule. I know this is weird to say, but you know, you can look at the schedule today and say, okay, Dallas is gonna win nine, ten games, whatever. But you don't know how the season's going to play out and a guy getting hurt or, you know, facing a team that's missing a running back or two, uh, you know, or, or a defensive lineman in the game that you're playing them. And sometimes that comes into play in the games that you win. And then you got to try and win some games that you're supposed to or not supposed to and hopefully not lose the games that you're supposed to win. Yeah. Last year, Dallas was was a team that won the games, at least from what I could see, that they were supposed to except that Patriots game. I think a lot of people thought the Patriots were going to win that game at home. Dallas pulled it out. They won in overtime. It was probably my favorite win of the season last year. But the Cowboys won all the games that they were supposed to last year, and they lost the games that they were trying, uh, that they they could have you know proven themselves to win. You know, I remember that Arizona game at home. That was a test for them. You know, yep. they, they didn't play a lot of like real you know, divisional challenges, or I should say um, playoff challengers um, last year. They won a lot of games against some fairly average teams. They won them convincingly. So it was really hard to kind of figure out what does Dallas have? So I was happy with what they did last year, a lot of promise. But here's the thing, Anthony, and this is a stat that I, I've used since I was at ESPN. Since 2004, in the NFC East, there has not been a repeat champion. In the wow. NFC East. So every year since 04, we're talking 18 years, 19 seasons, there has been a new NFC East champion. So, so you're as, starting to think that it, I'm not <laughs> saying that this sort of you know divine intervention here or this fate yeah. is, is gonna take place again, but that's a pretty telling stat when you look at all of the teams, you know, the Eagles won it, I think four straight years. They were the last to do it back to back years in the early two thousands when McNabb was there. Yeah. And then in 2004, they won it in 05. I think Washington won it in 06. I think the giants won it. And then the yeah. 07 was the Cowboys. It just kept going every other year and it's continued. So as much and, and Dallas, by the way, does horribly when there's high expectations with him, at least the more Good recent yeah. 15-year run that's since Romo's come to them, which is 06 was his first year playing. Uh, since 06, so that's 16 years, Dallas has always done better when the expectations were lower. Mm -hmm. And I'll take you through a couple seasons. In 07, you know, Cowboys made the playoffs in 06, but they got knocked out, lost to Seattle on the botched yes. field goal. The next year, they went 13-3. and three. Nobody saw that coming, but they were dominant that year. Then they, of course, lost to the Giants. 08, everybody's thinking the Cowboys are the Super Bowl contender. Romo breaks his finger in the middle of the year. They got trounced in the final game against Philadelphia, one of my least favorite games I've ever watched them play. And they don't make the playoffs. They win nine games. The next year, expectations are 
a little lower. And the Eagles are much higher because they went, you know, that year to the championship game. And the Cowboys won 11 games, won the division, and had a really, really good team. One of my favorite teams, the 09 Cowboys. And then it was just, you know, injury to Romo in 10, 8 and 8, 8 and 8, 8 and 8, all these expectations. They just haven't been able to put together a back to back consistent team that wins in a very long time. Yeah. I think the last time that they won more than 10 games in back-to-back seasons, and this will be need to be fact-checked, but I'm almost positive, was I think 1996 and 1995. Wow. So in 95, they won 12 so games. It's been a while. They won yeah. 10 games. Since then, they've had back-to-back winning seasons. They've won nine games one year and then you know, 11, 12, 13 another year. But they haven't had back-to-back 10-win seasons in 26 years. So I'm not trying to put a damper on my Cowboys. <laughs> I think that they have the talent. I, I think they've lost a couple key pieces. I'm very curious to see what their offensive line does in holding up. I'm not very high on Ezekiel Elliott, but I think if he can stay healthy, there's still a good um, place for him on the team. I would love to see uh, you know, some of the other p- players – you know, get more time, uh, particularly at the running back position. Uh, Tony has been a great backup running back for them, and I would love to see him get more Tony Pollard, more I love Pollard, yeah, more reps. In fact, I would even be okay with him being the number one running back for Dallas this year. I, I don't have a problem with that. I know they pay yeah. Zeke all this money, and they're kind of stuck with his contract. So I would like to see that. Obviously, Dak has to stay healthy. That's always. Any team's success is predicated by their quarterback doing well and staying healthy. Dak did that last year. He he didn't do that the year before. You saw the difference. Mm-hmm. If they win 10 games to me, that's a big deal because they haven't done that in 26 years, back-to-back 10-win seasons. 10 wins now is 10-7, and seven, but San Francisco went 10-7, and seven and they went all the way to the conference championship. Yeah, I just would like to see them back in the playoffs. I don't even have to see them win the conference or the uh, divisional title. They're probably the favorites by a slight margin. Philadelphia is right up behind them. And again, what's going to happen with Philly, and we'll talk about that, is predicated on their quarterback as well. Big time. But I think Dallas has the pieces, but the pessimistic fan in me says – they haven't been able to do back-to-back successful seasons in a very long time. So let's see. Yeah. Well, and, and you actually raised some really great points that a lot of the NFL year to year comes down to luck. You know, every, every team's got to have That's luck. Awesome. You, know, you got to have I'm guys stay you. healthy. Yeah. And then it's that NFL schedule, right? A lot of times teams can go from, from worst to first because they're going to be playing a fourth-place schedule. Mm-hmm. Cowboys this year are going to have that first place schedule, a lot of better teams out of conference and out of that NFC East. Um, but yeah, that's interesting stat about them. Not, I, I, I was not aware that it has not been a back-to-back winner of the NFC East in that long. So that's two things going against Dallas, right? Yes, that's a couple things. Ten games in back-to-back years. It feels like the Patriots did that and I think have done it for every year. It feels yeah. like since, you know, I was in my twenties, I'm in my late forties now. So Dallas hasn't won 10 games in back-to-back seasons since 96. And there's been no repeat NFC East champ since 04. So those two things, if Dallas does win the NFC East and win 10 games this year, remember this conversation when we get to (laughs) December because I'm not holding out much hope. Now, again, those are all just stats, and stats Mm -hmm. are made to be broken. 
but there's a reason why it's happened so many times over so yeah. many years. And you know, I'm not as much worried about Washington and the Giants. Mm-hmm. I, I do think they're still a couple years away. You know, I like I like what Washington did getting Carson Wentz. I, I think he's he's better than people hold. Uh, you know, I guess an opinion of with him. I think mm-hmm. the Giants still are very, very young. And I don't think uh, Daniel Jones is the answer. Uh, maybe he'll break out this year. Uh, but Philadelphia is the team, uh, yeah. just like last year in some ways, that Dallas is going to have to fend off if they're going to win another championship in the NFC East. Yeah, and actually, let's let's go ahead and dive right into the NFC East. Because, yeah. I mean, Philly is that team that added the most in the offseason definitely has the highest expectations of those other three Mm -hmm. Um, but always a tough go there's always kind of a bit of a a surprise happening nobody really thought Dallas last year because Dak was coming off injury that was the worst uh, secondary in NFL history the year prior Um, so nobody was really expecting things from Dallas and then and then there they were so if we look at the NFC East how do you see it shaking out do you think Philly makes that jump over the Cowboys or do you think there's going to be some maybe a bit of a surprise and the New York Giants maybe come out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't I don't see the Giants in Washington. Um, again, I, I, you know what I haven't looked at, Anthony? I haven't looked at the schedule. And sometimes schedules predicate. And I'm, I, if the Giants or Washington somehow start three and one, you know, four and two, something like that. Yeah. And then the rest of their schedule might play out in their favor. Maybe they got a shot. And again, it's the NFC East. So I think it was two years ago. Washington won it with a six and or seven and nine record, and it almost was six and ten, and they almost won that division. That was that was the worst division in football in a very long time. Two years, just two years ago. Last year it got a little better because the Cowboys were good and the Eagles surprised a little bit and won some games too. But the NFC East hasn't been this powerhouse. And to be honest with you, looking at some of the the additions and the, the things that teams did, unless you know, something happens to the Giants or to Washington like, uh, you know, a Micah, a Micah Parsons did for Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize what one person did to that Cowboys defense last year. But he made he made a very, very bad defense become a pretty good defense last year. Not great, but pretty good. Um, maybe the Giants or the Commanders have a team that or have a player that can do that for them. I don't know if they do. Yeah, the Eagles are really interesting because and it was fun to watch them in the offseason because you could sense they were trying to do everything they could just to beat Dallas. And I get it, like just to get to get past the Cowboys and win the NFC East. And they got A.J. Brown, which I thought was a real steal at 25. They did give him a lot of money up front before they ever saw him play it down for them, which always kind of worries me a little bit. Um, Cause I watched him. My wife is a big Tennessee Titans fan. So I watched every Titans game last year, AJ Brown, very good. I don't know if he's great, but he's very good. Um, is he as good as CD lamb? He's a different receiver. I probably put them pretty on par with each other. I think CD mm-hmm. lamb has a bigger ceiling, a higher ceiling, but I like the move. They needed to get a receiver um, and they got yeah. Brown and they had the kid. Uh, forgive me. Uh, you can help me with the names. Oh, Devonte Smith. Yep. who they got as the rookie last year, and he was very good for them last year. So now you've got two really good receivers. And Dallas kind of, I think, the one mistake they made in the offseason was they basically just let Amari Cooper go. And Amari Cooper is 28. He's not 35. They have enough money. When I was looking at the salary cap the other day, 
to still have paid him and stay under the cap. So I was still a little puzzled why they let him go. Now, again, it's very it's fairly telling when Cleveland, I think, was the only team that offered him a one-year deal for like seven yeah. million. So maybe the market wasn't as high, and maybe you know Dallas was onto something that you and I couldn't see. But I liked having Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. You know, they lost um uh I can't remember his last name, Cedric. Uh, uh Wilson. Wilson, yeah. thank yeah. you. Uh they lost Wilson. I actually liked him and wanted to keep him. Yeah. Um, they drafted a receiver. So I, I think Dallas is trying to do the right things. But I like I like what Philly's done. I mean, they added Reddick, they added Bradbury, uh Jordan Davis at the defensive tackle. They always have a good line, uh defensive and offensive line. But honestly, the, the, it's gonna come down to Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts, I thought last year was okay. Yeah. You know, I think he was 22nd. I'm looking at my stats here as I talk to you. Uh, in the NFL and rating, 26th in completion percentage. That's an issue. He's also not very tall. Um, yeah. You know, so I think he's not your prototypical quarterback. He's got a lot of skills. He's kind of dy- dynamic a little bit. Um, but I don't know. I mean, they, they're they giving him a receiver now in A.J. Brown, and they're giving him, obviously, Devontae Smith. And I, I, it'll be really fascinating to see what the Eagles can do. I think they're right on par with Dallas. It would not surprise me if those two teams are facing each other um, late in the year. I don't know the schedule again and battling potentially for an NFC East uh, championship. Uh, For now, I I, am so weary in saying this, but I hope it comes true. I'm going to take Dallas and we'll say they get to 10 wins, right? That would be big. I'll say the Eagles also get to 10 wins and maybe Dallas wins on a tiebreaker. So I think they're very, very equal, uh, very close to the same as far as talent goes. And that's a good thing because that rivalry is unmatched to me uh, in the NFL, much less the NFC East. So it'll be fun to watch. I'm going with the Cowboys by a hair. It would not surprise me if Philly was the champions. And I guess because of what we've talked about, nothing would really surprise me if Washington and the Giants came and won it. It would surprise me, but it wouldn't shock me just because of the That's way the yeah. vision has gone. Yeah. Well, I also like how you just you you, you know you got, you kind of like played it out where well, no one's had the best record in the NFC East two years in a row, so Dallas is going to tie with the Eagles. That's how we're going. That's how we're going to break it, and the Cowboys are going to get that tiebreaker. Well, like it, if Dallas that. wins ten games, <laughs> and wins the tiebreaker, and wins the division. That's like something it. they haven't done in a very long time. Um, so. Huge. Yeah. I'll stick with it, but again, everything's got to come into play. Your team, I'm always envious a little bit, Anthony, of of teams like, um, I don't know, first of all, Kansas City, right, in the last yeah. four years or five years. You know, they got their quarterback, and even before they had Alex Smith, they were still very good, but they got yeah. Mahomes, and they've just been 11, 12 wins every year. I mean, even last year, I think they started off a little slow, and everybody's like, what's going on? And boom, they win all these games, and they get home home field advantage. Um you know, I'm 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 watching my wife's team with the Titans, and they've been really good the last four years in a row, four or five years with the right personnel and and their division or whatever. But these teams that just continuously win every year, I'm a little envious of, and I'm like, why isn't Dallas that team? Why aren't they that team? Why are they up and down every other year? And I get why they're the most talked about team because you either love them or you hate them. But why isn't there consistency like some of these other teams? And I looked at it, and I'm like, all right, remember Seattle was really good for many years in a row. 
They had a great defense and a really good quarterback. All right, New England, obviously, always well-coached, really good defense pretty much every year, and a, the greatest quarterback of all time for all those years. Yeah, All of these parts, you know, Green Bay, the really great quarterbacks, those teams are usually in it every single year. Um, it's really fascinating to me to watch teams that that are able to consistently do it. You can have one good year, but can you maintain the consistency? And that's been my frustration with Dallas is that they've had really good years. 2016, they won 13 games. You know, 2021, uh, they won 12 games. Uh, you know, I talked about those earlier years in 2007, 2009. They won 13 games. They won 11 games. But they're never consistently the same team every year, and that's frustrating as a fan because you have a lot of the similar personnel that you're building to have some, you know, continuity within the, within the team just like other teams do. And yet it's, it's just not the same. You know, that's why I was so intrigued by what Cincinnati did last year, mm. you know, watching them come out of nowhere and win that many games. And clearly they have a quarterback and that is huge. They got a receiver in chase now, and that was huge. And they hit the lottery with those two, but they still had to play good defense. And the fact that they, you know, went through the AFC to go all the way to the Super Bowl and almost won the Super Bowl, can they maintain it? Because I don't think a lot of people are picking Cincinnati to win the AFC North. I know we're not doing that division, but yeah, but yeah. a lot of people are looking at Baltimore. You're looking at, you know, maybe Cleveland if they have their quarterback all year. You know, Pittsburgh's trying to figure some things out at the at the position. Cincinnati's probably the favorite, but it's not it's not a landslide. I don't see anyone really picking them to go back to the Super Bowl. So can you continuously and, and, and create some continuity to be a very good team each and every year when you stay healthy? And Dallas, just as frustrating as it is, that's why I'm kind of really pessimistic about this year. I hope they surprise me because they just haven't been able to do this for a better part of almost two decades. I'm in a very similar way in how I think about my team. I, I keep the low expectations because then it's not going to hurt as much <laughs> when you, when oh, we're 0-4, you know. The Jets are another really fascinating case It's a whole other animal, yeah. It's, well, uh, right, because they're, the Jets are like, to me, the Mets, right? Like, you just expect the worst. You know it's yeah. coming, and nine times out of ten it does. And occasionally, when's the last time the Jets were in the playoffs, by the way? Was it the Mark Sanchez years? Has it, it been the that Mark long? Sanchez years? We haven't been since 2010. It was the year we went to the AFC Championship. <laughs> right. That's, that's 12, yeah. 13 seasons. That's a long time. 2015, we beat the Patriots in week 6, 16. Everything was looking great. All we needed to do was beat the Buffalo Bills, who were not good that year. And Fitzpatrick threw six interceptions, and we lost the game. Oh, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, all right." Lose all yeah. the momentum for the Patriots game, and yeah. Well, but it's, it's frustrating, it's funny, right? Man. Because fans, yeah. and that's the thing. Like the Jets, at least I think they found a quarterback. I watched him last year, a couple games. I think they're they've at least got building, you know, blocks that you can look and say, "Okay, I think we can compete this year, maybe even challenge for a playoff spot next year." Let's just keep adding to the yeah. pieces and get again have some luck. But my gosh, it's so frustrating. You know, the yeah. top-heavy NFL, if you don't get your quarterback, it's going to be the same guys year after year after year. Um, you know, I'll tell you the team that I really – and this has nothing to do with the NFC East. The team that I think is going to falter, and I hope I'm – I mean, I really don't care if I'm right or wrong. I think Tampa is going to take a step down. Wow. 
Like this is the, I mean, when you're 45 years old, something eventually has to come to fruition. And I think this is the year I'm not hoping it. Cause I actually think yeah. it's amazing what Brady's doing. I just think Tampa, they had a lot of older veterans that, that made this run the last two years. I think they could have won the Super Bowl last year too. One break yeah. against the oh, Rams. Yeah. I think this is the year where it's like, okay, they got a new coach. I think he's good, but I think this is the year where they might have some issues and pay, possibly even some injuries. You know, when you're dealing with su such fragility uh, at the quarterback position, even though he's the greatest of all time, I think this might be the year when you start to see Tampa come down a little bit. That would be interesting. I mean, all of the greats slowed down. You know, Peyton Manning slowed down, Favre slowed down. Joe Montana slowed down. Everybody slows down. We just have. They all slowed down in their 30s, by the way. Yeah, right. Yeah, still, so still I, I, I'm very cautious when I say that, but yeah. at some point it's got to end. And you know, Brady's been amazing because he's been able to the, avoid the the really bad injury, except for 2008. But when you're 45, things start to hurt a little bit more. They just do. Yeah. I'm 48. I know these things are it's a little bit more painful. So. If he takes a couple hard hits or has like an, an unfortunate injury, I don't think he'll be able to recover too much because he he almost retired last year. Yeah, uh, it was the weirdest retirement I've ever seen because he was like back in a month. But I have to. I, it's going to be really hard to watch him have the same success he's had again. I don't doubt that he will, but for it's got to end at some point, and I think this year might be the year. Yeah. And you mentioned how, uh, you know, Joe Burrow and Cincinnati made that run. I think that's what has every fan base this season even more optimistic about their teams. Because yeah. if a franchise that's run the way Cincinnati's run can do what they did last year, like, why not us? Why not? Why not this next team? I think I've got a lot of fan bases, Jack. You have to have a draft pick or two pan out. You know, yeah. Cincinnati, Cincinnati got Jamar Chase. You didn't know what he was going to be. I mean, you thought he would be good, and he turned to be—he turned out to be elite in yeah. his rookie year. So I'm fascinated and excited to see what he's going to do this year. Things have to, so many things have to come into place. You know, even Dallas' season last year, for them to win 12 games, they had to have Micah Parsons, you know, do what he did. Yeah. They probably win eight, seven, eight, nine games without Micah Parsons last year. He comes in and he makes that much of a difference. Yeah. And obviously, Dak staying healthy, but he makes that much of a difference. Uh, and they were down the stretch playing with a lot of injuries and a lot of guys were banged up. Even Dak never really recovered from when he hurt his calf injury against the Patriots. So it'll be really interesting to see who can stay healthy, what pieces that we're not talking about today start to come into play, who's mm -hmm. the guys that take the leap, right? Who, who goes from year one to year two and takes a major leap? Who, leap? who goes from year two to year three and takes a major leap? You know, C.D. Lamb for, for Dallas and Devontae Smith, for the Eagles, they could take leaps this year and be in the upper echelon of receivers, like the top five or six receivers. So I, it's that's what I love about football. That's why I don't spend a lot of time, Anthony, doing this type of thing in the offseason. It's fun, but we don't know. Yeah. We honestly have no idea. There's no way. Yeah. I don't watch a lot of NFL shows or, or read a lot of NFL stuff. Once I see who my team's got or who other teams have signed and drafted, I'm kind of done until the actual games because we can talk at, at nausea about who we think is going to do what, where, but they have to play. You mm -hmm. know, Dallas has to play an opening night on Sunday night football at home against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. That's going to be a great game. It's going to get ratings through the roof, right? It's Brady and it's the Cowboys. 
But Dallas has never beaten Tom Brady since he's been in the league in 2001. So they have to play the games and they have to try and win. And then Dallas has a really tough schedule the first few weeks. I think they play, you know, the Rams are in that schedule. Uh, I think Cincinnati's in that schedule. Yeah. I mean, they have to play a lot of really good teams from last year early on. So I can talk at nausea about who's going to win what. But the season's got to play out the way the season's got to play out. And nobody saw Cincinnati in the Super Bowl last year. Nope. Everybody or a lot of people saw the Rams or the Buccaneers because of Stafford. The Rams still had a rough road and they had to go through and go to Tampa and win. They, you know, Green Bay getting knocked out by San Francisco opened the door for the Rams to host the NFC Championship game. Yeah, it's all you just don't, those, you don't know, those bro. Things. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> all those things have to happen, you know? Yes, we don't know. It's, it's amazing. That's why I'm looking forward to it this year, as always. Uh, switching gears just a, a bit, Jason, you've had a, such an amazing chance to to meet and, and greet and talk with yeah. some great pro athletes and coaches, both current and you know former, um, working at ESPN and now with your new role hosting the sports uh, spectrum. Who is like, is there a, a, a favorite guest or somebody that you've gotten a chance to meet that you were just like blown away by? Like, I got a chance to talk to this person. So are we talking ESPN or are we talking more current or just over my 25? I would say overall, has there been somebody that you've got a chance to meet with? So, I mean, when you spend the day at ESPN with Daryl Strawberry, who's my baseball hero, I know it was before your time, but that was my guy when I was 10 years old till the time I, you know, till the time he retired. Um, When you spend a day with him, that's special. That's right up there, maybe number one for me. Uh, but when you meet really interesting people like Will Ferrell, you know, the actor, when you spend a day with Tony Dungy, when you spend a day Tony, with Drew yeah. Brees, those are amazing opportunities. And I'm so, th- I mean, a lot of those I've used in in talks when I speak at different functions. Uh, they're in my second book, Uniform of Leadership. Those stories that I spent with them, those are timeless stories that I just was in the right place at the right time. You know, some of those people employees at ESPN met, but they didn't spend a whole day getting to know them and getting to be around them for eight hours mm-hmm. and taking them around. So I was fortunate. I was in the right job. I was in the right place. And then I had these opportunities to meet amazing people. You know, I remember when um, the movie Grown Ups came out and Adam Sandler and David Spade and um, all of that crew came to ESPN and were all assigned. Chris Rock was there. Um, Kevin James we're all assigned to a different person as talent producers to spend the day with them. And that was crazy because that's six different people from a movie coming to ESPN and all of us kind of being assigned. I think I was assigned to Rob Schneider, if I'm remembering correctly. So I didn't get the, like the the top of the line there (laughs) and that's fine. I really didn't care, but think about a day like that and you're at work and there's all of the, and they were all kind of, pretty good high level celebrities you know kevin james came multiple times to espn adam yeah. sandler i've seen a couple times so those are moments that you just can't replicate i'm not really answering your question though i understand no, it's, that. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. this. more recent i've gotten to talk to to people on my podcast i've, I've done over a thousand interviews so i've gotten to talk a lot to a lot of different people but those people that i spent the day with at espn particularly tony dungy and daryl strawberry yeah when I get to interview them myself on my show, because I was a producer at ESPN, but now I'm a host. I'm also a producer, but I'm a host. 
me getting to interview those guys to me is the top, top of the top for my experiences, right? You're interviewing your hero and Daryl Strawberry. And I've mm-hmm. talked to him and, and, and began a relationship with him. He's a friend now, but I've interviewed him three or four times. That's amazing to me that I could ever talk to him. Tony Dungy, I've interviewed two or three times. That's amazing to me. And so it's those guys to me that are unique and special and, and stand out. I will say just a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed um, Zachary Levi, the actor who plays Shazam. Yeah. And that was a treat because it was not your typical interview or, or person that I interview. You know, it was an actor who played Kurt Warner in a movie, but he's not really yeah. a sports guy. He's an actor and, you know, he's a person of faith and that's what we talked about too, but it was just unique to talk to somebody like that versus your sports guy. Yeah. Um, and I'm around a lot of athletes and a lot of coaches, but to talk to him was, was a lot of fun too. And that was, you know, I don't get nervous on interviews probably anymore. I, I don't think I've gotten nervous for too many. I was a little bit nervous with Zachary Levi. I don't know why. And then we started and it was just kind of another interview and I, I had a great conversation with him. But I don't know why, but maybe it was just the fact that I was talking to somebody that wasn't in sports. Out of the element, yeah. Got a little excited about that. It was it was pretty cool. So yeah. I've done a lot of interviews, though. Gotten to talk to many, many people. Um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger was somebody I talked to earlier this year. We got to sit down in person, and Ben and I did like 30 oh, minutes cool. together. Um, yeah. So I've gotten to talk to and, and interview many, many amazing people. So it's really hard to answer, you know, that question, yeah. but... Those are a few of the names that stand out. Yeah, I got a chance to to meet and uh, hear Tony speak. Uh, he's, he came up to Vermont three, four, five years ago. I think it was four years ago, um, and it was it was awesome. I mean, then I got I, I went to go see him again because he he did multiple speaking you know engagements and uh, it's just that time that I actually came just to see you guys. And uh, I think it was Terrell Suggs was the guy that you were walking around. Yes. So we got a yeah. chance to meet to meet Terrell Suggs and. Uh, I remember we were with another guy who was a New England Patriots fan. The only thing Sugg said to him was like, yeah, I don't like Tom Brady. <laughs> He's just like, yeah. right there, like I don't yeah. like Tom Brady, man. He's like, oh, okay. All right. Gosh, that must have been, what, 2013? It was, yeah, it was 2013-ish, 2012. Yeah, yeah, it was around then. That's funny. Yeah, he was uh, – Terrell Suggs is a great guy. and um, But those are the type of things that – you know, you picked a good day, right? Like you came yeah. the day I was spending time with an athlete and I got to do that quite a bit. And so those ESPN days were, are, are still very special to me. But I think what they did was they allowed me to spend time with people who we all watched on TV and rooted for who I saw the human side of them mm. and it allowed me to humanize them and really just realize that they're people who do something really cool. And a lot of people watch them, but when it comes down to it, they're also fathers and husbands and wives and uh, moms and just people who are trying to just skip, figure out life. They got, they got a lot more money than us in some cases, but they got the same problems and, and the same issues and the same things that they're worried about. And so that's allowed me, I think, with my new role for the last five years with Sports Spectrum to see these people as humans, to see that they're struggling, that they're going through issues, they're going through um, things in life. They're fans of football and, and sports and, you know, moms and, and dads and, the, and they become more human and it allows for a conversation to be more real than just surface level. What was that like to throw that touchdown pass in that game? I, I get that. And I'm still a fan, but they're also people 
And I think as I've gotten older, I've seen them more as people and not as celebrities. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, just in this role, I mean, I've gotten a chance to talk to a couple of, you know, pro athletes and things like that. And yeah, you get to talk to them off the air a little mm-hmm. bit. And you're like, wow, this is just like another guy or another woman. We're just talking. You know? Regular dudes, so, regular yeah. women, and, <laughs> and just regular people. Again, different lifestyles in some cases. You know, you sit yeah. with Ben Roethlisberger and he is just a great guy. But you also realize he's probably made $200 million in his career playing 19 years and or 18 years and and being, you know, one of the legendary quarterbacks of the last two decades. Yeah. Winning winning Super Bowls. But when you talk to him, you realize he's just a guy who wants to be a good dad and a good husband and, you know, love God and, and love people and serve. And you realize, yeah, he's got a lot more resources and, yeah. and, and financial advantages maybe than I have, which he worked hard for. But he's also just kind of going through life the same way, you know? Yeah. Well, Jason, we always end all of our shows with a thing called the two-minute drill, Love which, as I, as I told you earlier, it's never, ever been two minutes. I think the closest person that ever finished it in two minutes was Cynthia Freeland. She was mm. the closest. She was on it. She was just like quick answers. She's like a math person. Like, I got to finish in this in two minutes. I'm going to try. Um, let's try to do it in two minutes. Let's see all right. Let's do it. All right. So it's rapid. It's rapid fire questions. First answer that kind of comes to your head. Let's okay. just go ahead and roll with it. So we're going to start with what I, I think is a pretty easy one here to get us rolling with. Two minute drill begins with Jason. Now, favorite Cowboys player growing up? Uh, Danny White and Tony Dorsett. So it's a tie. Love them. Bigger Cowboys fan, you or Skip Bayless? <laughs> <laughs> Skip's been a broadcaster and a journalist for many years so i was always a fan whereas i think skip has played the, the role of fan yeah. on tv I, yeah. i'll see me i've I been like a fan that. since 1979 so 43 Absolutely. years so there you go. i think i'm a bigger cowboys fan than skip <laughs> <laughs> uh so we already talked about somebody who played the role of kurt warner if you could have some actor play the role of you in a movie who would that be gosh actor who would play the role of me um well, Chris Evans, because he's Captain America and he's a lot better looking than I am. So he would make me, you know, I think be more appealing than my very average looks and average <laughs> life that I've lived. So we'll say Chris Evans, even though he looks nothing like me. I always love when like people get asked that question. They always choose someone who looks like them. No, I'm going to choose somebody who, yeah, is like a, you know, a, a Chris Evans, you know, or like a. You know, uh, I mean, the other answer is Ray Romano because his his name and my name are so close. Um, But he's like ten years older than me, so that wouldn't work either. No, I definitely like 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 that pick of uh, Chris Evans. Favorite show that you got to work on during your time at ESPN? Probably First Take, because especially back then it was still in its early infancy days of going from cold pizza to first take and cold pizza. Yeah, it was on the show, and Stephen A. were on the show, but Dana Jacobson and Jay. Crawford were the hosts and Dana and Jay are just dynamite people. Um, people I'm still trying. I always, you know, admire and cheer on from afar on social media to this day. So mm-hmm. it's definitely first take. I mean, next closest would probably be Sunday NFL countdown because of the prestige that that show had, but yeah. I would say first take and Mike, we can't forget Mike and Mike as well. That was a I lot love of fun. Mike. Yeah. I got first, a chance to actually talk take. to Golick. He's awesome. First yeah. take in like 2009, 2010 that was those were some fun years 
Yeah, I love I loved watching it then. Uh, if you you already talked about Tony Romo not being the greatest quarterback of all time in the Cowboys history, but he's was a fun one to watch. Where would you rank Tony Romo if you had to rank him and your Cowboys quarterback echelon? Well, my quarterback is who I enjoy watching and I'm a fan of. So number yeah. one to me goes to Aikman because of the success he had and because of where I was in my life in my early 20s. But number two for me, and I know this is going to be like sacrilegious, but Danny White, because I was seven years old when he took over yeah. and basically he was the quarterback until I was 14. Um, he was such an influence. He wasn't the greatest. I mean, he went to three NFC championship games in a row. So he had a, he had a good run there. He was, he's probably fifth on that list. Like I would put Dak ahead of Danny White as far as just achievement and, and, and you know, talent. But he was my favorite, you know, as a kid. So I put Aikman, Danny White, Roger Staubach, who I only remember a little bit when I was very, very young. Um, so I put Romo and Staubach kind of equal because I really love Tony Romo a lot. And Dak is is right there. I like Dak. I think Dak takes a lot of flack, and I think he's he's a top five ever Dallas Cowboy quarterback, Dak Prescott. And that's not yeah. a bad thing to say. I no. think if he keeps playing consistently for the next, let's say, seven to ten years as a Cowboys quarterback, and if he could ever get to a Super Bowl, he doesn't even have to win one, just get to one, he goes right up there with Roger Staubach and with Troy Aikman, I think, in my opinion. He goes past Romo, that's for sure. I love that. Uh, Jason, towards we the end that, of your – We killed that two minutes. Oh, yeah, way. absolutely. <laughs> During, uh, towards the I end of was... your uh, time yeah. at uh, ESPN, you were managing a lot of their uh, social medias. Yes. So if if you had to give a tip to somebody who is trying to grow their brand on social media, what is the biggest key that you had noticed for growing that brand? So there were two keys to me. The first was just be consistently posting stuff. Um, and I mean stuff that's not controversial or yeah. stuff that's just angry and or screaming. I mean, it's a cesspool right now in terms There's of a lot of negativity yeah. and the world that we're living in. But if you can be positive and let's just say you're a brand, right? Like if you're ESPN NFL, which is what I ran, you know, we, we posted NFL content. We weren't posting politics or religion or anything. It was NFL content. The number one key was just to be consistent in posting. If you post something once a week, it's like, where'd they go? What are they doing? But if you post something, you know, at least a couple times a day, that's consistency. I think people will want to see that. The other is it has to be good content. You know, back then when we were starting, you could just post, you know, text, uh, text only posts on Twitter and get away with it. Now you kind of have to be creative and, and, you know, gifts and memes and things help, but you know, we have all the tools that we need today to create good content. I mean, even in just the, the graphic that you have on, on this app that we're using, that's good. That's, it looks good. I like the way it looks. You spend some time on it. It's well done. So just take some time and, and, and up the ante on the quality of the content. I've seen too many people just post and then their content is very average or even below average. And in today's age, there's so many apps, even if you're not the, you know, the expert graphic designer or photographer or videographer, yeah. you can get your phone, you can use some apps and you can create some pretty cool content. Uh, when you were actually like running those accounts, did you ever feel the urge when people were just being negative to tweet back? <laughs> sure. Uh, of course. Um, it was a less negative. 
it's weird. It was mostly dealing with fans who yeah. were just angry that their team lost or their team gave up a yeah. touchdown. So I never really would tweet back at them. Occasionally we would. I always thought tweeting back and, and replying when it wasn't negative was a great way to interact. And it meant, you know, somebody who was following you, oh, that means they're they're actually interactive. They're not just yeah. posting stuff. They're actually replying and, and connecting. Um, I think that's a good follow. So I tried to do that a little bit with the NFL handle when I was running it. Um, you just can't do it too much because it is coming from a brand versus coming from, you know, a person. Um, but yeah, there was always that urge to, to want to <laughs> yeah. come back and say, don't you see what we're doing? Yep. We don't hate your team. You know, every broadcaster feels that way too. Every, every color commentator broadcaster in college and pro football and maybe in other sports too. You know, when you watch a game, you're like, oh, he's just biased. Troy Aikman, he's biased over all the Cowboy games yeah. or over all the Eagle games. They're not biased. I'm telling yeah. you, yes, he played with the Cowboys for years. He's literally just watching the game and trying to tell it like it is. <laughs> and, you know, we have to remember that they're just doing, trying to do their job. Are there biases? Of course there's biases. Yeah. But for the most part, they're just trying to do their job and they don't hate your team. They don't. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, most of the most of the time when I always thought like an announcer was being biased uh, against my team, it's because my team was always losing in that game. So they were calling it like it was. And it was just my team. Well, there's a general bias that genuine bias that exists when your team doesn't win many games. Absolutely. Yep. Um, but yeah. Jason, prior to us letting you go here, if you want to just tell everybody a little bit about the pod podcast here, the Sports Spectrum, you can get it on Apple and Spotify and off of SportsSpectrum.com. Tell us a little bit about the Sports Spectrum. Yeah, it's, so it's the intersection of sports and faith. Um, it's been my calling, uh, I think, for the last five years. It's the reason I left ESPN was to go into this work uh, that's more purposeful, in my opinion. Um, it's not for everybody in the sense of faith. But I think sports, For if you're a sports fan, you could listen to our show. And even if you're not a man of faith or a woman of faith, or that's not your cup of tea, or you're not really deep into your faith, I think you can be entertained by our conversation because we do talk a lot of sports. Mm -hmm. But I try to go deeper. Uh, and a lot of the athletes and coaches that we talk to, the most important thing in their life is their faith. And so I get to ask them about that. Um, a lot of other sports channels and, and media companies won't go there. And I get it. It's not everybody's cup of tea. But for me, when I have these athletes on and I can ask them about the most important thing in their life, uh, they light up. They get excited. They want to talk about this. And so I think even if it's not your brand or your belief or your faith, you'll be inspired to hear what their journey of faith is. Um, again, we also talk relationships. We talk families. We talk fatherhood and we talk leadership a lot on our show so we're not just staying with like this sort of for lack of a better word religious tone the entire conversation but trust me on this i don't hide from that part either uh, and i make sure that that's included because that's what sports spectrum is about and that's what differentiates us so five years now i've been there uh it's over a thousand episodes it's it's been my honor it's what i work on pretty much every day along with a lot of other things now that i'm working on um, but I love Sports Spectrum. I love what the brand is about. We also have a magazine, Anthony. We also have our website that you mentioned. Yep. Um, we have a lot of content on our social media pages, so people should follow us there. Uh, the podcast is just one little branch on a tree that I'm really excited to be a, a part of. And another one of those uh, 
I guess those tree branches is a book that you actually came out with. Uh, that was an Amazon best-selling book, and yes. uh, people can go and get this thing. It's a great, it's a great read. Um, you want to tell everybody about the uniform of leadership? Yeah. So that's that's my that's that's the book I thought I would write. I actually wrote another book right before mm -hmm. that about forgiveness. That's a book I never thought I'd write. But this book, if I was ever going to write a book, and I had zero desire to ever write a book, I still don't enjoy the writing process. The Uniform of Leadership is the book because it's the lessons that I learned and the experiences that I had during my time at ESPN. But as we were putting the book together, we didn't just want it to be stories that would entertain you. We wanted it to be lessons that you could actually implement in your life to become a better leader, to become a better person. And so this book is written with the stories in mind of the people like Drew Brees and Tony Dungy and Will Ferrell. And how those experiences for me helped me become a better leader and a better person. But they also feature a lot of the people that you wouldn't know. Maybe you might remember because you were there for a day at ESPN. But the people like Tammy, who's the cafeteria cashier. You know, nobody, nobody outside of ESPN knows who Tammy is. But everybody at ESPN knew who Tammy was. One of the best leaders we ever had. And she's not famous. She's not, you know, on TV. She just did her job in an amazing way. People like Carol and Lisa, my colleagues who I worked with, my friends still to this day, nobody knows who they are outside of a select few people and those who worked with them at ESPN, but they were great leaders. So this book is one where it'll be fun to kind of read the stories of the celebrities, but I think it'll be more relatable when you see the stories of people like Tammy, you see the stories with people like Carol and Lisa, and you realize that those people that we come in contact with on contact with every day that are just sort of the average Joe or the average Jan are influential in our lives and can be considered amazing leaders. And that's who I tried to highlight. So it's definitely my ESPN journey. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of it is all about serving others and the leadership yeah. lessons that I learned in the process. I've always like believed in that form of being like a leader is to serve first. That's like just always how I've kind of thought about it. So it's a, it's an excellent read. Yeah. I'll put it up on the screen here one more one more time. Uh, it's an Amazon bestseller. Definitely go out and get that, and then check Jason out all over the sports spectrum, the website, magazine, the podcasts. Yeah, um, it's all great stuff that you that you've been doing, Jason, and sharing with everybody the things that you know and the people that you know, and uh, it's awesome. So thank you so much for getting up early with us on a on a Tuesday to talk Cowboys. Uh, I'm looking forward to this season, and we'll see how we'll see how the boys do. Well, you have to ping me sometime in November of December or December if you start to see any of the things that we talked about <laughs> that I predicted come to fruition. Because I need to remember that because yep. I'm just Mr. Pessimistic when it comes to the season and not knowing what's going to happen. But I'm excited. It, it, that's, I guess, what makes the beauty of an NFL season so much fun is there's going to be five or six or maybe even more 10 things that are going to happen this year that nobody saw coming. And it's yep. amazing theater. There's nothing like the NFL. So. I hope one of those things that nobody sees coming is the New York Jets. We'll see. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Let's see the Jets get to eight, nine, ten wins and and I'm happy with that. Boxing people. So let's see. So but I appreciate you having me on, buddy. This has been great. Thanks for having me. Yes, and, th and thank you, Jason. Everybody go follow Jason on Twitter. His handle's up on the screen at Jason Romano. And you can follow every morning quarterback at EMQ Podcast. Um, have a great rest of your day on Tuesday. We'll we'll be on live this Thursday with the Bills guys and then this weekend with our AFC and NFC East preview. Jason, thank you once again for joining us today.